Hey, welcome to New City Online. My name's Ron, and I'm one of the pastors here, and if this is your first time joining us, I wanna say a special welcome to you. If you'd like to learn more about New City Church and maybe you're ready to take that step to connect with us, you can do so at newcity.us connect. We'd love to know you're tuning in and know the best ways our church can serve you. Also wanna let you know that in two weeks, we'll be making the switch to New City Live, our live service broadcast from the South Park location. There will also be a time change for this service. So instead of 9.30 and 11 a.m., we'll be moving to a 10 a.m. service with on-demand viewing and listening available afterwards. The final thing I wanna mention is the start of our new mini sermon series today entitled Keep the Change. This is a two-part series all about generosity. So yes, we'll be talking about money, but more than that, we'll be talking about our stewardship and posture towards God and the ways we handle what He has entrusted to us. As always, if you feel compelled to support the work and ministry of our church here, you can do so at newcity.us give. And if you're a guest today, please feel no obligation. We want this service to be our gift to you. Now let's continue to worship together.
this is our truth that you have a reckless love for me, for us. You are a good God and you come after me, you pursue us when we don't earn it, when we don't deserve it. Thank you that this is the gospel, that you are good and you are God. Lord, give us listening ears and an open heart as we hear the message. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Something we learned along the way, and we learned the hard way, but it was a heart change when it took place, which was, which was our giving, our generosity, needed to be planned. We couldn't wait. It's not fair to wait and say, I, I have resources, what can I do with it? You're not gonna make the best decision. We found ourselves saying, it's better to say it's God's and we're making this commitment to it and this much of it is going to be for God's work. This much is gonna be what we're generous with. And then when it shows up, we don't have the conversation about what do you do with it? How much can we keep? Maybe we have another need. No, we've already made that decision. It's kind of like a football team. Um, the team doesn't run out on the field, hike the ball, and then decide what they're gonna do with it. They have a play, they know what they're gonna do, everybody knows what they're gonna do. So when the ball is hiked, there's good execution. There's no question. That's the way generosity is. It's a planned thing. It's a commitment to what's going to happen when the ball is hiked. What are you going to do with it? Well, hello, New City family and friends. It's so good to be with you all today. I hope you've been enjoying the Daniel series so far. It's been a tremendous blessing to my life, and I hope and pray that it's been a blessing to your life as well. For the next two weeks, however, we're going to talk about something that's near and dear to God's heart and ours. In fact, we talk about it every year here at New City, and that's this, generosity. And we're calling this two-part series on generosity, Keep the Change. And so right here from the top of this series, I want to ask you a question. Do you remember this? Does anybody remember this? Listen, I know for me, I don't carry cash often these days, and, and according to me, you know, cash is quickly becoming a thing of the past, isn't it? And so whether you used to carry cash or still carry cash, undoubtedly, you've had the experience of going to purchase an item and giving the cashier more money than what the item is worth, haven't you? And then what happens next? If you give the cashier more money than the item is worth, the cashier gives you back what? Change, right? Well, I want you to keep that in mind as I remind you of what John 3.16 says. It says, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The scripture also tells us that God is love. 1 John 4, right? So we know that giving is central to the nature and the work of God. So God gives to you and I so much more than we could ever return to him. However, what we can give to the one who paid the ultimate price for your sins and mine, 
is change. We can give him our change. When we give, our giving changes us. Because when we give, we get to keep the change within us. So in return for his invaluable gift to each of us, what the Lord desires for, from us is a change of heart. But the change he desires from us is not for his benefit, but for ours. So unlike when we go to the store and expect change, when we give more than an item is worth, our loving father who gave so much for us invites you and I to keep the change. When it comes to God and giving, it's important for you to, for you to know this, that God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. So over the next two weeks, we're going to talk specifically about our financial giving and its connection to and reflection of our hearts. You may remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if I want to see where my heart is, I need to look at my finances. I need to pay attention to where I'm giving my money, my time, my attention, and my influence. Now, so you don't hear me wrong on this, let me share something that Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said this, there's nothing wrong with men possessing riches. The wrong comes when riches possess men. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 6, 24. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. Did you know that there are close to 2,000 verses in the Bible about money? And many of them are directly connected with giving and the heart, your heart and my heart. It's important for us to understand that the Bible talks about money because God loves you and I. He loves us so much that he doesn't want money to harm us. Rather, he wants you and I to use money as a tool to bless our family, to bless others, to fund the advancement of his kingdom so that more people may know him. Here's the truth. Jesus doesn't need your money, but he wants you. Jesus doesn't need your money, but he wants you. He wants me. He wants our hearts. And he knows that we need to give our finances to him in order to give him our whole hearts. So although there are over 2,000 passages in the Bible on money and giving, we're going to look at just one passage on giving, specifically as a church. So if you have a copy of the scriptures near you, I want to invite you now to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. It should also be preloaded for you on the New City app along with the sermon notes and outline. But we're going to be studying 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 together in this series and how Paul instructs the church at Corinth regarding giving. Now, while you're making your way there, let me give you 
a little context to what's going on here in our scripture before we dive in. The apostle Paul here is writing to collect a financial offering to benefit the suffering Christians in Jerusalem. He is collecting this offering from many of the churches that he planted among the Gentiles, and he references the Macedonian church specifically. And he uses their example in verses 1 through 7 to both inspire and teach the Corinthians. And he says that you guys need to get in on this. And so what I love about this passage is we see essentially a full circle moment here. Because 20 years prior to this letter, most of the Christians at the time were in Jerusalem until crisis scattered them and sent them out to start many new churches. And now all of these years later, those same churches are collecting money to help the church in Jerusalem. Also, if you recall, it was the church in Antioch that sent out Paul to the Gentiles. Well, Antioch was helped by the council of Jerusalem to reach more Gentiles. And now, those Gentiles, those Gentile converts are going to bless them back. It comes full circle. What a great reminder of the fact that we can't outgive God. We cannot outgive God. So let's look now together at 2 Corinthians 8. We're looking at verses 1 through 5. Now, I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify, verse 3, that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. And verse 5, they even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to. Now, I, I, I love this. I love these first five verses here. And I want to encourage you um, here to take notes here because here at New City, we teach five P's of giving. We teach five P's of giving, five instructions that Paul gives to the church about how to give. And today we're going to cover the first two and we'll come back next week and finish with the final Three, but I want you to notice something here in verses two through four. Paul is writing this letter and he says that they are very poor. He says they're very poor and they're tested. However, they were filled with abundant joy, which overflowed in rich generosity. We can't read that too fast. They were tested and they were poor, Yet they were filled with abundant joy that overflowed in rich generosity. I don't know how many of us can benefit from this lesson right here. 
We find ourselves in situations in life that are less than ideal. Maybe our money is not where we need to be. But we see a great example here that in spite of our circumstances, we can still be filled with abundant joy and still be rich in generosity. Now, as we get into the first of the five P's here, we'll see how it was that they were able to be filled with, with joy and rich in generosity, though their circumstances were less than ideal. And so with that, our first P is this, our financial giving must be prayerful. Our financial giving must be prayerful. That's it. That's how they were able, in spite of their circumstances, to have abundant joy and be rich in generosity because they were prayerful. Paul says in verse 5 that the churches in Macedonia gave themselves first to God. They gave themselves first to God. And that's important for you and I to understand here as it relates to our giving. Our giving should always begin with giving ourselves to God. Our giving should always begin this way, no matter what it is we're giving. But specifically related to our finances today, our giving should begin with us giving ourselves to God, with you and I surrendering our lives to him and allowing him to deal with anything that's in us that would keep us from being pleasing to him in this way. This is what we mean when we say our giving should be prayerful. Prayer should be the starting place. It should be the foundation of our giving. I don't want you to miss that. They gave themselves first to God. So with that, my question to you is this. Have you prayed about your giving? Have you prayed about your giving? I think this is important for us to catch. And so if the answer for you is no, I want you to begin to ask God how, when, and what it is that you should give. And in the process of doing that, I think it's important that you and I ask God to clean up anything that has been a barrier to us trusting him with our finances. Because after all, everything that we have belongs to God, right? You and I are entrusted to be good stewards over what God has given to us. And this is important for you and I because financial generosity breaks the back of financial idolatry. And so we see here that Paul uses the Macedonians as an example for the Corinthians, not as a comparison, but for encouragement. And maybe that's part of the prayer too, right? That God, God, that you would show me somebody in my life that can help encourage me in my generosity for me in my life. Without a doubt, that is my friend Stanley. He is the most generous person I know. And every time I'm around him or every time I think about him, it encourages me and challenges me in my giving. 
And so our first challenge today is for us to give ourselves to God and then ask him to direct us in our giving and in our service. So the second P I want to show you today is this. Our financial giving must also be prioritized. Our financial giving must be prioritized. Now, I want to begin to show you this by looking at verse number seven. Let's look at it together. It says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. In this gracious act of giving. Now, throughout the rest of, of chapter 8, Paul writes about how he is going to send Titus along with others to collect this offering and to finally collect what they were so ready to contribute a year prior, before the persecution showed up and stopped the collection. Three times in this passage, Paul references their readiness to give from a year ago. And then he writes this in chapter 8. Verse 24, he says, so show them your love and prove to all the churches that our boasting about you is justified. I love this. So, so, so listen, this is, here's, here's what he's saying, that our giving and our spending gives proof of our priorities. Gives proof of our priorities. Now, we know that it's not the only proof, but it is a proof of what our priorities are. That's why I mentioned earlier, we're gonna see where our heart is, our treasure is, a good place to start is in our bank account. But then our scripture goes on in verses one and two of chapter nine, and Paul tells them, it is not necessary for me to write to you about the ministry to the saints in Jerusalem because I already know you have a heart for this. He says, I've boasted to the people of Macedonia about you. Your zeal has stirred them up. Paul says, essentially, I know of your readiness to give. In other words, family, they have made giving a priority. They have made giving a priority. And so should you and I. So should you and I. Listen, for many of us, our giving comes at the end of our budgets, if we're honest, right? It comes at the end of our budgets. We give the leftovers to God. You may remember a message I preached some time ago where I referenced a valley season, a very difficult season in my life where times were tough, finances were scarce. As a part of the story, I talked about how I had to borrow money month in and month out from friends to, to, to pay my rent. Had to borrow money to have food. My car was repossessed. I had to sell my furniture on Thanksgiving weekend. Well, I, I also want to tell you this, that that season challenged me to prioritize my giving. It challenged me to prioritize my giving. Now, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy, and I'll be the first to say that I haven't always honored God through my giving the way I should have, particularly in this valley season. But what I can say is that by the love and grace of God, the challenge 
to prioritize my finances. And that difficult time produced a change in my heart that was well worth the challenge. Not only did I see God move in great ways in my life externally, but it gave me a greater awareness and appreciation for his presence, his provision, and ultimately for the work that it was doing to make me more like him. So I want to challenge and encourage you today to make giving a priority. And now I get it. It's difficult for many of us in this culture because what we're taught is to spend first, right? We're taught to spend first, pay your bills, get all of, those, get all of that stuff taken care of, then savings after that, right? Then, if we have anything left, then we'll think about giving, right? Then we'll think about giving. But this is opposite to the way we see the Lord teach us about what our priorities should be. The Lord is trying to take us out of our scarcity mindset because he is a generous and a loving God. And as ambassadors of the kingdom, we are called to reflect his love and his generosity to a lost and a dying world. Here's a giving myth that I believe many of us have subscribed to. The giving myth is this, when I earn more, I'll give more. Have you ever thought that? Have you ever said that? When I earn more, I'll give more. Man, that was such a part of my story. When I earn more, I'll give more. Here's the truth. The data doesn't support that. The data really doesn't support that. Here's a reality. People who make less than $75,000 a year give more percentage-wise than people who make more than $75,000 a year. Isn't that something? People who make less than $75,000 a year give more than people who make more than that. But listen, I want you to catch the principle of what God is saying here to us. And it's, it's illustrated well if you're familiar with the widow's might in Luke 21. Essentially, what's happening there is Jesus is going into the temple and he's watching rich people drop their gifts off in a collection box. And then a poor widow came and she dropped in two small coins. And then Jesus says this. He says, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all of the rest of them. She is poor, but she is given of everything that she has. But the principle is this. It's not about the amount. It's not about the amount. It is about the sacrifice and the heart. Because again, friends, this is what God is ultimately after. And so my challenge and my encouragement to you today is that our financial giving should be both prayerful and prioritized. But I want to close with this, and, and, and here's why we give. Here's why we give. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9 says this. Let's look at it together. It says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. I love this. Because of the generous grace of our Lord. That's why we give. 
Because the God that created the heavens and the earth, the generous God, gave so much to you and I. We can never repay. We can never repay him for what he's given to us. But my challenge to you is to reflect the generosity and the love of our Father in heaven. This should be our response to his faithfulness to you and I. Because of the generous grace of our Lord. Again, John 3.16 says, For God loved us so much that he gave. God loved us so much that he gave. And you and I, we're called to do the same thing. To give. But as we give, it's important for us to remember this. That God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And that's change. A change of heart. To God be the glory. Let's pray together. Gracious, kind, and loving God. Thank you first and foremost for your generosity towards us. Thank you that even while we were living in sin, you loved us. And you loved us so much that you gave. You gave a precious gift to us. And you called us to live out this same generosity. And so I pray today, God, that you would help us to be prayerful in our giving. That you would help us to understand that our giving starts with submission to you. And I pray that as we submit to you, you would show us the barriers to our own generosity. And I pray, God, that you would continue to open our hearts, that you would continue to give us a greater awareness and appreciation for your generosity, for your love, for your faithfulness, for your grace towards us. And then I pray, God, that what would flow out of that is that our giving would be prioritized, that we will put that before everything else, God, and that as we do that, God, we would trust you. We would trust you with the results of our lives, God. And so, God, I pray with and for my family and friends today. I pray that you continue to move on our hearts. Continue to show us who you are, how you love, and just how much you love us, who are grateful for your generosity. And now we pray for the faith and the wisdom to live that out in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. 
If you would, no matter where you are right now, extend your hands for a benediction as we go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Have a great week, New City.